Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. We have Carmen back with us. Carmen, can you hear us? Yes, I can. I've never been so excited to see four initials on the screen. Welcome back to Chai FM. Thank you very much. Good. Well, Craig, thank you for that. Technology doesn't always play ball. Carmen, I try to sound like a senior economist, but I think I've failed miserably. So uh, let, well. <laughs> let me put you firmly in the driver's seat. I simply said that Finance uh, Minister Enoch Ngongwana really had a juggling act this year in order to stabilize things and keep things on the straight and narrow. In other words, not to introduce too many shocks into the budget that would upset the, the economy on the one hand. On the other hand, to make sure that the, there's enough stimulus in the economy going forward. And that's really what it is. There was nothing that was unforeseen and no great shocks. There was a reduction in corporate um, tax, which was expected. But besides that, it was pretty much a vanilla um, budget. Do you agree with that? Yes, I would say actually a lot of people were expecting a lot more in terms of sort of revenue overruns and, and actually bringing down the debt level. But I do think it was um, a balancing act. And I think they did a reasonably good job in, in focusing on at least uh, lowering the peak in the debt ratio, but at the same time putting through a pro-poor pro budget, but without breaking the bank. So not making firm commitments to basic income grants, etc. And again, what I said in the introduction is that the, the minister is really sitting on a fence over here because... For the first time in the dawn of the new South Africa, the ANC is no longer sitting firmly in the driver's seat. And, you know, it's a very difficult position to be as finance minister. But before you answer that, I know Craig thinks we need to run to the shops. Now let's take a quick break. We'll be back with you in a moment. This is RV on Business. Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. It's been an interesting show with technical issues. Welcome back to Carmen Nell, who's the Chief Economist and Macro Strategist at Matrix Fund Manager. Carmen, I said before the break that it was an interesting budget because the demographic, the, the lie of the land is, you know, from a political point has changed slightly. Do you think that had anything to do with the minister's outlook? Well, I think certainly the, the uh, government has to be sensitive to um, its electorate, and in that sense, you know, arguably extending the COVID relief grant was maybe part of that um, to keep the electorate on side. But I do think uh, we transitioning through this year where, where COVID is no longer going to be a pandemic, but I think you're still dealing with that fallout, and we see that in the very high unemployment levels. I think part of sort of the dip we had in the third quarter employment levels was because of the social unrest. So we'll have to see whether the ongoing recovery, if you sort of look at retail trade bonds, et cetera, I mean, it's picking up mobility as largely formalized, whether that starts helping job creation. But I think what, what you don't want, and I don't think the government want that, wants that either, is to have um, people becoming overly reliant on effectively what this COVID relief grant is. It's meant to be a temporary measure to tide people over as they look for employment. Um, and you don't want that to become a permanent expansion of the grant system. But I agree there's a big risk that it's sort of a prelude to some form of universal basic income, to a basic income grant. And they have the government's put together a panel to advise on it. And the panel has advised that we need to institutionalize um, the COVID relief grant 
And, and that then is fine, but at what level do you do that? You know, what are the eligibility criteria? And then at what uh, rate are you going to grow that grant? But on that point, I think what was a positive aspect from this, just again being pro-poor, is that the COVID, uh, the other grants outside of, outside of the COVID relief grant, the other grants were actually increased in line with inflation, where, where we've had many years of increases below the inflation rate, sort of in a bid to consolidate the fiscal position. You know, Carmen, um, interestingly, when we get into a budget chat like this and we start discussing the nuts and the bolts and the economic factors behind it, invariably we're going to get one or two comments that come through, like Joe's just sent through a comment. Please break down for me, as a simple taxpayer, what the difference will be to me on a monthly basis in my payslip. Well, I mean, the 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 difference is not great. Well, on, on a monthly difference, your pay slip is, is certainly you still have an increase, but which potentially lifts you into the next bracket. Right. But at least this time you are getting what I don't know if you remember, you know, five, eight years ago when, you know, the first um, it's usually in April, it comes through when you get your rebate and uh, we're going to get the same rebate we got in the past. So the last five years, when you got the rebate, it was really small. You know, it was sort of, you were surprised by how small it was. Um, whereas at least we're going back to the same level of rebates because they fully accounted for um, the inflation impact. Uh, but you still, I mean, depending on what your increase was, if you received a bonus or not, et cetera, that will determine what, what your month-to-month impact is going to be. A hundred percent. And I think that's really what it is, is that the, 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 when there, aren't major, there aren't any major increases in the tax amount that people are going to pay. Um, maybe just unpack for us very briefly this one percentage drop in corporate tax from 28 to 27. We know it was on the cards. Is it really significant? Does it, will it really make a difference to business in South Africa? So, um, so it was meant, okay, so firstly, it, so it was mooted February last year that the objective was um, to allow the corporate income tax rate to be cut. But for this year's, or the effective cut only holds uh, to companies that have year year ends um, March 2023 or beyond. Um, So it it really is effectively small for the coming fiscal year. So it only is meant to be relief of about 2.2 billion rand in aggregate. Uh, But then also for this year's coming year specifically, it was done in a way that's revenue neutral. So it's actually being being offset by um, re- sort of indirect revenue changes elsewhere. So again, depending on whether you are impacted by those other revenue changes, the net effect for the coming year will, will be quite small. But I think if you look at it from a longer term perspective, is that they want the South African tax regime to be competitive, right? So part of what you want to do is to make the country more investable. And part of that would be to have more attractive tax rates. Within the context of globally, there's a lot of pressure for, for these tax havens to actually be dealt with and for corporate tax rates to actually increase. But ours is relatively high. So now it's dropped from 28 to 27, where sort of the OECD averages between 20 and 23. So we still have scope. To, so I think rather not look at it as a once-off, hopefully, it's actually more a part of the process to get the corporate tax rate down to be competitive with our peer economies. And in that sense, it's good news. And in that sense, it will make a difference. But the flip side is that 
arguably where there were a lot of tax loopholes, you know, things you could claim against, that potentially would be done away with. But then again, it's a good thing because it really just simplifies the tax regime. And that's ultimately what we're all looking for, you know, is an efficient tax regime that's easy to use, that's easy to navigate, and that is very, very efficient. Carmen, just before I let you go, one thing that's come out post-budget, and I've seen a lot of it, you write about it also here, is the commodity high, the commodity price cycle that sort of came through, that sort of boosted collections, gave SARS already a, a good fuzzy feeling about themselves, um, which is almost a sense of false reality. How do you see that playing out in the year to come? Okay, so, so what's quite interesting, and, and I mean, this is some of the detail that even if you look at the numbers, it doesn't necessarily come through, but the SARS commissioner, Edward Kieswetter, was on a lot of media stations after the release of the budget. So if we compare the numbers for the current fiscal year versus what they thought were penciled in at the beginning or in February last year, uh, we basically have an excess or extra revenues of 182 billion rand. Okay, But in the detail, Kieswetter sort of attributed to roughly 60 billion rand being attributed to the economic recovery and the high commodity prices, okay? Another about 55 is attributed to preventing tax fraud, so fraudulent VAT claims. And then another about 47 to 50 is basically SARS efficiency in collecting arrears. So in that sense, it's not solely reliant on commodity prices remaining high, which I think is a positive. Uh, What's also a positive is that the SARS rebuild that's been underway for the past three years is delivering gains. Um, but maybe what might some some taxpayers, you know, the, the average taxpayer would be concerned because basically they're coming after those who are already paying taxes. So I think that maybe for the man on the street is you want to see the high flyers also being targeted, you know, at a business level where there are loopholes, those being closed. And ultimately what that means is then you can expand your tax base. So I, I don't think they are overly reliant on the commodity prices staying high, which again, I think is some positive aspect underlying the assumptions in this budget. Carmen, just before I let you go, just to ask your opinion, um, Kisweter came into SARS a couple of years ago. He really had a job of picking up an incredible institution that had been sabotaged entirely. How far is he down the line with bringing SARS back to its former glory? That, well, I, I think we, we're not there yet. Certainly, you're starting to see some dividends. Last year, they reestablished the large business units. I think that payoff is still to come. And then, obviously, part of the big uh, rebuild will be efficient systems being put in place. And there you can see when you do your e-filing, that's starting to work better. But it's difficult to say, are we ha- halfway Probably not even halfway yet. So I think there's still quite a bit of potential upside in revenue if they are able to fully, you know, uh, revive SARS to where it was um, before, um, sort of call it the last decade. 100%. Carmen, again, apologies about the bumpy start and uh, not being able to connect. But as always, thank you for the concise, detailed, um, you know, review and just putting things in perspective. Thank you very, very much. Thanks, Alvi. Great.